on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about toxic workplace cultures. Sound familiar? Hope not. Maybe so. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. We, of course, are talking about women at work, and we're talking about getting some ease and some meaning and some joy, and we are going to excavate the topic. (laughs) We're not going to dig in. We're going to excavate the topic of toxicity in the workplace. And the reason we're doing this really is because of the listeners, like the toxic coworker episode, yeah, really got folks going. Turns out toxicity is <laughs> rampant. Toxicity runs rampant. It runs rampant. Yeah, so we got a lot of feedback about toxic coworkers, which made us think. Yeah, it's not just the individual. Sometimes it's the culture. Sometimes the entire system has got a problem. Yes, so and we're g- it's the system actually that allows the toxic coworker to exist. Mm-hmm. So really, the problem is the system. Yeah. As much as it is the toxic person. Yeah. So today we get a, uh, I know we're, we are resisting. We're resistant to digging in. Digging in. We're excavating. We're excavating. Somebody actually caught me recently and kind of gave me the like, hey, digging in. Like somebody, (laughs) I didn't even. Joking you. No, listened to the show. (laughs) And I was like, damn it. We're going to stop saying that. Anyway. um, So before we start, two things. Oh, yeah. So we're on the land of the Coast Salish people. Yes, we are. Grateful. Yes. And two, I have to tell you about the craziest thing that I read recently. Okay. Well, so if I'm, I didn't really read it. I first, <laughs> I first heard it. Okay. I heard it on my call meditation. Um, I think it's Jeff Warren I was listening to, and he was talking about this study where they've determined. So after I heard him talk about it, I went and looked it up okay. because I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to know about this. So at the Max Planck Institute for Human Cognitive and Brain Sciences, they discovered that our decisions actually start in our brain seven seconds before we're aware. So they put the MRI on the brain and they tell people to push the right button or the left button. Okay. And the only thing they say is once you decide which button to push, push that button. Okay. So what they figured out was before the person registered that they'd made the choice yeah. Saying I'm choosing to push the, the 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 right button. You push the right button. Your brain is actually working on that decision seven seconds before. And so they actually are seeing the brain activity in yes, the MRI. Before you're conscious of the decision you've made, which seems like just fodder for the best sci-fi and fantasy <laughs> movies and books and stories ever. Like your brain has made its decision before you know. I is just, that the craziest just, thing? Yeah. My mind is blown by this, which is why I had to talk to you about it. I'm like, I've got so crazy. But that's also this. that seven seconds. That it's is a, a long freaking long time. time. Yep. Your brain is working. Yep, six to seven seconds. I just have like you said, I have this sci-fi thing that yeah. in my head that includes like a brain in a jar, which we've seen a million times. Just like yes. yeah, of brain course. in a jar working, you have no idea what it's doing. I'm so freaky. Uh we have to stop talking about it now because I'm super weirded out by it. <laughs> Like, what is happening in my brain that I don't know about? Well, and I'm so much, much, everything. So much stuff is happening I don't know about. And it's funny because, like, that whole notion of trusting your gut. Yes. Right? 
Oh my gosh. Right? Trusting like, your gut yeah, intuition. Like, yeah. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's not even anything. It's not trusting your gut or intuition. It's actually just your it's freaking real. brain working seven mm-hmm. seconds ahead of you. But then that digs us in that takes us into bias. Did you say dig? I did stop it. I tried to go over it really quickly. <laughs> I tried to like just gloss over you it. Did. But that takes us into like unconscious bias yeah. and racism and all of that weird stuff too. Where you're just yeah, you're acting on mm-hmm. these things that mm-hmm. your brain mm-hmm. is doing. Your brain is a puppeteer. Oh, it's so it's, I mean, I'm at 100%. Your brain is your puppeteer, just like working the body. <laughs> We're just little marionettes over here without any control. It's weird, which is why we have to start talking about toxicity, because <laughs> that whole concept is blowing my mind. <laughs> and I need to move on to something a little more. What's that called? What's banal? Would that work? Not banal, situation? but like more graspable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. More like, let's talk about something concrete. Can you define banal? Because now all of a sudden I want to know what that means. Um, like um, average, okay, boring, pedestrian. pedestrian. Yeah, it, less than average, I would actually say. Banal, okay. like meh. Me- exactly. Okay. So funny. Like my We mood. both did the same thing. <laughs> meh. <laughs> what do they say? Jinx? Jinx. Jinx, whatever that means. I never understood that. Okay, uh- so. Back to workplace culture. Are we are we actually toxicity. doing a podcast we are about doing, a subject? I swear to you, we are. You are not just rambling around I here. Where I will stop <laughs> rambling. Okay, workplace culture, to- toxic workplace culture. So you wanted to define what 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 makes up or what is workplace culture before we start talking about the. You bad. know, I love that. I know you love. I love to like you know, get clear. You want to you want to get grounded just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. We just do it a little bit. We differently. do it differently. So we do it differently. We do. We do. And I think that's probably good for the listener. Yeah. Right. Sometimes the two of us are a whole person, as we say. <laughs> two brains finally get to one. Two brains operating seven seconds before we know exactly. what they're doing. As one brain. Okay. <laughs> what is workplace culture? And let's look at this before we talk about the toxic part of it. Yeah. So what makes up workplace culture? Values, behavior norms that one sees expressed in the setting typically by actions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's a it's a set of behaviors that we learn through observation and interaction. Yeah. And it's like the unspoken things. Now sometimes they can be spoken. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can be formalized in some kind of a document. Mm-hmm. But the vast we learn about what culture is by observing and participating. Yeah. And also seeing kind of what is rewarded and what isn't. Uh-huh. How do things get done around here? How do decisions get made? How do people behave with one another? What are the spoken and unspoken rules that sort yeah. of dictate how we act? And, I, you know, it's funny because when you're immersed in it, you don't always see it. I completely agree with this. Yeah. That is because when I was doing the research for this episode, uh-huh. I realized there were things in my work culture that was like, ooh, that's yeah. a little toxic. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because between the two of us, right, with my consulting and your lawyering, um, we see a lot of businesses. And I feel like I walk into cultures and go, whoa, what the heck is going on here? It's way easier for me to see it in my clients than it is my own. Yeah, exactly. So weird. Yeah. yeah. So when I was saying, when I was doing the re- reading for the show, too, I was thinking, oh, oh, I saw, I've seen cultures that I was immersed in completely differently by thinking about kind of what the elements of a you know culture is and then also seeing toxic workplace and I know but I know what it feels like to be in a toxic Mm -hmm. workplace and to me it feels like 
It kind of harkens back to that episode we did on teams, right? Where uh, the best, the most highly effective, high functioning, high functioning productive teams, teams. have psychological safety. Mm -hmm. And toxic workplaces are the opposite of that. They are really psychologically unsafe. You really don't know what the rules are. You don't know what the next move is. Or you do know what the rules are and you know that the result is going to be bad. Yeah. Right. You yes. know, like it's a sick feeling in your stomach when you're going to work, you're nervous, you're on edge, yep. all of those things uh-huh. because you something is going to happen. And I just want to just say one thing about this. When we make a mistake at work or do something that is not our best work or whatever, it is really uncomfortable to right. make a mistake. Yeah. So I just want to point out we're talking about workplace toxicity, but that does not mean that it is not sometimes uncomfortable at work because you're dealing with the performance issue or you're doing a really hard thing. Do you know what I mean? So you what you're that not all discomfort is toxic. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not all discomfort is toxic. Yeah, That's I what think. I just want to say. Yeah. We still have to have our resilience, right? Yeah. We still have to recognize that we have to wrestle with hard things. Yeah. Right? But yeah. there is something different. That is different. That is that is normal functional we live in a world that is challenging right. as opposed to toxicity yeah which was what we're talking about today yeah. yeah where the toxic workplace is really it's it's not it's not the it's not the presence of discomfort that makes it toxic it's the the dread the the behaviors the, that lead to like it's just dysfunction yeah right it's i'm the, what i was talking about is the kind of discomfort that leads to growth yeah right or that's what we want yeah yeah, growth and improvement can be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But this is really about things in the culture that just create a soup. Yeah. You know, a fishbowl full of, yeah. however you want to phrase it. I think of it as really like when the entire system feels broken. Mm-hmm. Right. When when I look at a business and I walk, you know, I kind of come in, I'm looking at like, what are you trying to achieve over here? And is your culture counter to that? Yeah. And, you know, I think in some ways, and, and I guess that's probably somewhat of a too direct of a line, but like, are you trying to achieve a um, place where people feel supported and are able to innovate and are able to, you know, whatever, be effective in be their effective work, in their work mm-hmm. and be productive, um, get right. things done. You yeah. Know, and you're all the things. A toxic culture is like, yeah, no. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. So th- there has been a fair bit of research on this subject and certainly some uh, great TED Talks and podcasts and whatnot. And, you know, where I go it frequently is Adam Grant to kind of hear about this. And he does a great episode on um, toxic culture um, where he identifies that there are really four fundamental kind of elements of a toxic culture. So we're going to uh, take a look at those and talk a little bit more about what Adam has to say. And also listen uh tap into some research from mit so this is gonna be a good show folks get ready buckle up buckle up and it's interesting because he adam grant really phrases culture this way how do results and relationships how do those play into each other what's the balance between business results and relationships in the business yeah and rules versus risk yeah and so those two tensions are really how we create culture. Yes. Yeah. Which I just love the way he phrased that. I do too. And he's saying if you ignore any one of those, 
you you kind of have the makings of a toxic culture. Turns out some organizations ignore all of them or focus too heavily on, on some something. Of them. Yeah, yeah. And so when you do right, when you favor or ignore results or relationships or rules and risk, then you it turns out you come up with these toxic four, which he says are bad behavior mm-hmm. essentially which he, he calls toxicity yeah which is kind of weird so we renamed it i don't want to yeah it's like there's four elements of toxic work culture and the first one is toxicity but it really is just bad behavior yeah it's bad behavior it's bad behavior, behavior. That, that you tolerate um also yeah so it's a behavior that you tolerate is the first one mediocrity yeah is the second one yep the third is bureaucracy bureaucracy mm-hmm. And how you tend to rules, et cetera. And then the fourth one is anarchy. Which so, makes sense when you talk about the, when he talks about those tensions in the beginning. Yeah. Between the two things, relationships and results and rules versus risk. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about bad behavior first. And, you know, we did that episode on toxic coworkers, as we mentioned before. So we really did talk quite a bit about yeah, what so the bad behaviors yeah, are. Yeah, we've been through this. But yeah. I do think it's interesting that because, and I, I think we actually mentioned this in the previous episode too, but there is current evidence that says, that shows that toxic work or bad behavior at work is the biggest driver of turnover of attrition of attrition Mm -hmm. the behavior of those around you and what we tolerate is the number one reason why people were resigning at least during the great resignation so bad behavior has a big huge impact but what do we mean by that so bad behavior which we did talk about in in our toxic coworker episode but it's disrespectful behavior it's non-inclusive behavior unethical behavior you know, cutthroat, too competitive, and an abusive behavior. Right. Which it's interesting in every, I can think of situations in my own workplace where every one of these things has happened. Every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And And I can't, I don't think I'm different. I don't think I'm different. I think everybody can think about their own situation, which is part of the purpose of this episode is to just explore this. Yeah. Because it can be really hard to sniff out. Yeah. But when you're in it. So it, it and it's interesting because these behaviors are frequently mm. perpetuated by an individual. Mm. But what we're talking about is the culture that allows for it. Mm-hmm. Right. And the or, system that allows those individuals to behave in that those particular ways. Right. Yeah. And so one of those um, for let's take d- disrespectful mm-hmm. behavior, for instance, you know, this uh, recent research by MIT says that really that is the number one bad behavior that people, you know, sort of tag as toxic. And what they really mean by that is when there's just like no consideration or courtesy or dignity for other people. Mm-hmm. So the system that allows this disrespect that shows it's it is the communication that you don't matter. Yes. That you are somehow lesser. Yeah. Right. That that shows up in we make decisions without considering the people who are going to be impacted by that decision. We make policy and our policies are based on, a, um, you know, a worldview that's, you know, male and white, for mm-hmm. instance. We um, so I was thinking about like um, even my sister's a teacher and she was talking about this whole the culture in her classroom and she wants every kid who walk in there walks in there to not feel quote unquote welcome because you're welcome here means I've created a space for you and you get to be here. She wants everyone to belong. And what that means is she doesn't adjust the desk heights until the kids are sitting at the desks. 
because she wants the kid who is tall to have a desk that mm-hmm. fits her and she wants the kid who normally has to sit up on their knees to have a desk that's at their height so you if your workplace culture says everybody who is in here is able-bodied and you know right. five foot and what a difference between welcoming and belonging yeah. welcoming you means i have the power and belonging means that you come with your own power right Exactly. And so when we're talking about culture, it's like the culture that signals disrespect, the culture that is non-inclusive, the culture. And that non-inclusive piece, which comes kind of right along that line of the bad behaviors, that non-inclusive behavior is almost as significant as far as like impacting attrition as disrespectful is. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. And it's good to see that this non-inclusiveness is really important to people. Yeah. And that it's interesting to me that it is, it's flagged as toxic behavior, mm-hmm. right? It's not just like, oh, slightly uncomfortable or yeah, something we want to change. Right. It's like, we're, it's been. We're, Discrimination is now like toxic. Yes. Right. We've, det- which of course it is. Sure. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. But it's interesting to see now that that's the way this, I love it. I love mm-hmm. that this kind of thing, that gender discrimination or nepotism or age in, 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 inequity or racial inequity or disability inequity is now being flagged as toxic behavior that leads to toxic culture. And it really is impacting folks' decision about their jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good and news. So, yeah. And so Adam says you know, again, that one of the four things that we see frequently in a toxic culture is this kind of bad behavior. And, and I, you know, I absolutely love it, but behavior alone is not, behavior is not the only thing that leads to toxic culture. You and I both had some ahas doing the preparation for this show. And this next one, mediocrity yeah, I think you had some ahas around. Well, it's let's yeah. talk about mediocrity. Yeah, it is interesting because again, I'll say that I kept thinking about like, yeah, a culture is perpetuated by the people and the people's mm-hmm. behaviors, but again, it's like not just that; it's also what we reward. It's also how people are promoted. It's like when we value or or how we treat um, try, try performance. To performance, yeah. Mm-hmm. So think about those workplaces where everybody just kind of does the bare minimum. Or there are people in the workplaces. This is what I see more. I see people in the workplace who do the bare minimum, but people love them. Yeah. Oh, they're really great. No, they love them. They're so great. They're interesting. Whatever it happens to be. This is what I see most. And because everybody likes them so much... Mm -hmm. Nobody addresses the mediocrity of their performance. That's right. And that's where Adam is saying we value when you value relationships more than performance, mm-hmm. it really sends an interesting signal. Yep. So again, it's not just the overt or covert behavior. It's the like, huh, what does, how does, how is that when, we, when we're all looking around going, how do those four people still have their jobs or why am or I working so much harder? It really is okay to be on my phone for significant periods of time when I'm supposed to be working, or it really is okay to sit in the break room for an hour and a half during lunch because everybody else is right. Yes. So there's those pieces of mediocrity too, that like tell us that why should we work so hard? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, in toxic high performers, we, 
we, we, we frequently tolerate toxic behavior in high performers. So I found it, found it really interesting that the opposite of that is, is also, also toxic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that we tolerate really mediocre or poor performance because we really like somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and or the other thing I see is an unwillingness to address something. Like I oh, have yeah. clients who they'll come to me and say, well, we've really had performance issues the entire time she's been here. And I'm like, well, why haven't you? Why Why now? Why are you here now? Like what's special about today yeah. that you're calling me about dealing with their performance? Yeah. And like, well, it just seems like we should probably do something. And who knows what the catalyst was? Yeah. But I mean, literally for some, I've had some clients come to me with decades of mediocre performance that they allow in more than one employee. And again, back and to for, the system. In that case, it was just the reluctance to deal. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, no, they are nice people for sure. But that mediocrity is also a reluctance to address mediocrity. Right. Yeah. And you send a signal. Mm -hmm. You to send everybody a signal else. to everybody else that they're, this is what you value. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, back to that definition of culture, what you value. Yep. The, the written and unwritten sort of behaviors the signal, here's what's important to us. So tell me why, what was your big learning around this mediocrity one? Why was this like, aha for you? Well, like, I think I said it um, a little bit a minute ago. Oh, that was the learning. Yeah, that it's not just Got the it. behavior that you can point to and go, God, that person's an asshole. Right. Or holy moly, I can't believe that. It's, it's also just this low level. Of expectation. Yeah, of expectation leads to toxicity. Which is Wow, interesting. Yeah. I think the other one, though, uh, that I kind of had a aha about was about, bu about bureaucracy. This was my okay, big aha. I can't aha. even say. Bureaucracy. Say? Yeah. The that's, I, I rarely come across a word I cannot pronounce. That you is can do weird. It. Bureaucracy. You can do I have it. To say, I have to get my mouth in a different contortion. If you just pause, I'll say it for you. I'll just say <laughs> just bureaucracy. At, when I make this like, right. you go, Kirsten, you're going to say it for bureaucracy. me. But that, thank you. That was one also that was surprising to me because I frequent, I love a good policy. Don't, oh, get, yeah. I love a good policy. I feel like when everybody is crystal clear on the, the process, the system, the policy, we have order. And you know how much you I love like order. order. Oh, I you love, love order. order. I love order. And again, Adam, back to Adam. He's like, yeah, that can go, that could tip you over too. That's, this was my big learning because what I did not really realize, and I've, I, I mean, and I should have, this is one of those things where you're like, holy cow, how have I gone this many years in the work environment <laughs> and been like, what? That's oh, what I can't that wait. Is? What is it? I did not realize that bureaucracy is a way to mitigate risk. If we have a process yeah. and policies and systems and decision trees, then we are more likely to eliminate risk because so many people have got their hands on it, right? Right. But I didn't. I also didn't realize that when you have too much of that bureaucracy, yeah. you stifle decisions. Yes. And you if and if you're you don't make decisions, and that also ends up with toxicity as well. Because there's just no way to move forward. Yeah. Because you're just in this process all the time. Yeah. There's 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 not there there are limited opportunities for growth because people don't want to do new things. There's no reward for innovation, mm -hmm. for efficiency, mm -hmm. for collaboration, new ideas, all that stuff. So that was really the big learning for me that 
And I've said this in a different way with my clients, because that's what I do is I mitigate risk. risk yeah. That's all I do, right? And I've always recognized for my clients, like, I'm here to mitigate your risk and not crush your business, mm-hmm. right? I can't give you a contract that mitigates all your risk that none of your customers will sign, Yeah, right? So th- this, th- this now makes a ton of sense to me because even my perspective as a lawyer supporting businesses, I recognize that when we're so concerned about risk yeah, and we create all of this red tape, yeah. We can't move forward with our business. No, it creates toxicity too. Yeah. I see that in, um, I've seen that in several businesses where I I love what you just said, where it's like, if you have too many rules, Mm -hmm. you're just, everyone is stuck. You can't completely mitigate risk with bureaucracy. Oh, I said it. And then, and then have the other stuff you want in a culture. So why is this toxic? Because people can't get their jobs done. Yeah. That's why it's toxic. Because it gets in the way of their productivity, their efficiency, and their ability to do what they need to do. Because they're constantly running into a barrier. I also think, though, that it leads to toxicity because we get so stuck focusing on the process or the, the rule or checking the box that you get this myopic view mm-hmm. rather than a larger, right? If the focus is so micro, it's, it really is like this. It, I think it's like the precursor to a, ma- a micromanaging culture yeah. where we're just so, like I said, we're checking the box and crossing every T and dotting every I. And, and not really looking at what we're producing. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. just stuck. Because your customer, your client is not buying your process. No, they're you know buying what your I mean? product. They're buying your product, yeah. right? And they don't really care. I mean, most clients and customers don't care about your process. They just want to know what they're buying. And I, yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm going to, I got to write that one down. Hang on. No, I'm just joking. I am going to write that one down after the show. But I also think about things like when you are working in a heavily bureaucratic system, it sucks the life out of you too. Yes. You just really don't have the opportunity. You don't have any agency, which we also know is huge when it's creating ease, meaning, and joy. And here's what's also interesting about ease, meaning, and joy. Yeah. The opposite uh, also crushes it. Yes. Which is on Adam Grant's, um, you know, tensions, this anarchy, which yeah. is the opposite of bureaucracy, meaning there are no rules. Yes. Everybody can do what they want, when they want. Structure be damned. Nobody <laughs> learns from the past. Nobody's on the same page. It's There's chaos, right. right? Now, I really believe that there's elements, as I said in the beginning, there's elements of all of this in every workplace. Yeah, yeah. The question is, how out of control are you? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was interesting to me that the other side of bureaucracy, anarchy, also is part of the contribution to the toxic workplace. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting about anarchy? I also think it leads to this like nobody trusting one another. Everyone's kind of like shooting from the hip, doing what's right. Then you end up just sort of like doing what's right for you because I don't know. I'm going to Or act- worse yet, you do form little groups. Yeah. That become whatever clicks yeah or packs or something right because yeah. you got to figure out how you're going to protect yourself no it's all yeah and you're like mm-hmm. figuring workarounds and um alliances i think yeah. is what you were kind of uh, trying thank to say you. thank you and and it, it leads to this cre- you know like you just you don't know what, you don't know what to expect you walk in and i don't know 
I don't even know how, I don't know how to measure success. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know where the parameters are, which for me, this is also one of those places that I had some learning because I love innovation and creativity and learning. So I feel like I'm very, and change. So I feel very safe in a workplace that is trying new things and spitball and making decisions and changing course or whatever. And I, and I realized that that, that is not true for most people. That is not, and when it tips over again into this, like, the entire culture operates that way. It's not just this one problem we're trying to solve. It's everything. Right. It's like Everything's that. up in the air. Yeah. It feels toxic to people. And back to that MIT study, they were, you know, they were looking at what the um, drivers were for um, attrition, right? And a toxic workplace culture certainly was huge. That was the number one pe reason people were leaving their jobs. In fact, a toxic culture was 10 times more likely to contribute to attrition than compensation. So dissatisfaction with compensation. Yeah. Was, yeah was, interesting. Yeah. Toxic culture was 10 times more. But, but job insecurity and high levels of innovation were also part were also more um you know bigger drivers of attrition, of attrition than wage and to me job insecurity and high levels of innovation are part like are in the anarchy like they they yes. are they they're this fourth thing that's like well i don't know yeah makes people upset nervous and upset yeah what you know i just wanted to say as an as an aside this great resignation i know it's been really difficult on business i'm it's been really hard on women in business because yeah. we're we're not back to the workplace yet there's still a significant percentage whether it's 26 or 33 i can never remember of folks who women who left the workplace during covid and have not come back mm -hmm. but we have learned so much about workplace satisfaction yeah. from this time. Like we've gotten so much great data out of the great resignation and this is part of it. Yeah, Like we can really figure out for what's driving folks to leave the workplace. We can also figure out what in my workplace, it helps bring awareness to us. Like what in my workplace is making me feel bad? What feels good? Maybe I want to leave. Maybe I want to do this. Yeah. Right. So I think individually, it's given us a lot of information about our own experiences. I totally agree. It's been good. It is interesting. And it's kind of, you know, flipped its flip the dynamic a little bit right like because we are all leaving because we have because of this um resignation and because it's now such a workers market yep not only do we get to see what we didn't like we get to be very choosy about what we want to pick mm -hmm. which kind of leads i think to this question i have so so what, what do we do with all i mean this? yeah we we've explored What's the point yeah and i think awareness might be the point but absolutely be, but also in that awareness, recognizing where you have an impact on culture and how you want to gauge your workplace culture or the workplace culture of a prospective employer. Those are kind of I mean, it is interesting to think about this stuff mm -hmm. through because it's going to how that culture plays out is going to determine whether you're happy in your job and ultimately, you know, whether you're, you want to stay. Yeah, I but, think for I think it's easier. I mean, like you have more in some ways, agency when you're looking for a job, right? Yeah, yeah. And Adam Grant has some great suggestions about this. Like if you're looking for a job, he says, after you get the offer, this yeah. is what he says, after you get the job offer, there are a number of questions to ask, which I think are great. He says, tell me what happens here that does not happen in other places. Yeah. I think this is a great question. 
Tell me about a time when people here did not walk the talk, Mm. did not do what they say they do. Mm -hmm. And tell me a story about who gets hired, fired, and promoted. Mm -hmm. He says those three questions are great to ask after you've gotten the a offer. job offer just yeah. to gauge mm-hmm. to gauge the culture yep i like the walk the talk one i mean i can think of all kinds of different things he references a story where it's like oh uh ceo said we value face to face everyone has to come back to the office but then he went and like worked from a remote island in you know guam or something, something. <laughs> after saying that all of his employees had to be at work because he valued in person yeah yeah, I liked the one where um, they were talking about, he was talking about Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley has its first year um, employees who come into their training program mm-hmm. do a roast mm-hmm. every year of the senior managers. And which is this whole cultural thing about it's okay to poke fun. Yeah. It's okay to point out things, yeah. right? It's okay to challenge. And so the one of the employees at Morgan Stanley's then when they asked the question, what happens here that doesn't happen other places? Well, our first year employees roast our managers. Yeah. Which I thought was a really, really healthy. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And tells you so much. Mm-hmm. The answer to the to that tells you so much about the culture. And in that case, probably talk, tells that it's a healthy workplace culture. Yes. Like there, you said, the values a, fun or, or there whatever. certainly are aspects that are healthy. Yeah. So when you're going to a new job, which we know many folks are, interesting questions and things to look at. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to a new job and you're in your current job as wonderful or as much of a hellhole as it is, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. What is it that we do? I first, I really am a great believer that understanding the thing and being able to kind of name it and give form to it is the most helpful thing. Yeah. So how about asking yourself in your own, even if you're already at a job, what happens here that doesn't happen other places? Mm -hmm. How, who gets promoted here? Who gets hired here? Who gets fired here? That does tell you a lot about the culture itself. Awareness is going to be key. Agency is also another one. I mean, I know several people who have been in toxic workplace cultures who felt stuck. Oh, and, yes. And, and and who don't feel like they have any choice. And, you know, I, I, I want to I don't want to be so naive to believe that everybody can just leave their jobs whenever they want. I get it. Jobs help us survive. We mm-hmm. make money. Some of us are living paycheck to paycheck. This is a very sometimes you just have to bear it. But if you can make a plan to leave and leave in a way that does not, you know, create uh, insecurity, financial insecurity or whatnot for you. Um, just the mere f- recognition that you can leave can also change your mindset a little bit. Oh my gosh. And the fact of the matter is we all can do whatever. It's just a matter of whether we want to bear the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a choice. Yes. The consequences that we're willing to bear are our choice. Yeah. And I think if you are working in a toxic workplace culture and you can recognize it and it you are not, I want to say you're not chained there. So either you can change your attitude, you can get therapy, you can um, sort of change your approach to it, or you can make a plan to get out, which in a lot of cases really is the only mm-hmm. option. And as we've seen, as evidence would suggest, a lot of people are making that choice. I have an easier time doing the things that you've just articulated, like you know, letting it, recognizing my own agency, Mm -hmm. recognizing I have choices when I can name something and say, Oh, she's 
this is the way she is Mm -hmm. or this is the way this system is and there's nothing that I'm willing to do about it today. Mm -hmm. And once I can come to that realization, there's nothing I'm going to do about it today. It's way easier for me to put it aside and not not get wrapped around the axle about it and also not to have this weird feeling that I don't understand. Yeah, the, like I kind of have a like sick I feel feeling uncomfortable, about it, but I don't I feel know why. Weird, but I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And I think again, that is part of the exploration of this whole subject. I I also want to say though, from the position of kind of working with leaders, both positional leaders and non-positional leaders, you know, for decades, we all also our own individual behavior and our collective behavior does impact culture. And if you are in a, like I said, position or non-positional leadership. Um, role where you can influence what who is rewarded what behavior is rewarded what behavior is not how decisions are made you know um whether or not you value friendships or relationships over product productivity whether you have too many rules or not enough rules if you can influence any of that you can actually have a huge impact on and that reminds me of somebody in my own workplace connie who's a paralegal at the law firm she is always organizing fitness things, trail walks, bike rides. It's interesting when you said that she's the, the first person that came into the, my mind. I was like, there is somebody who contributes to the culture of our workplace yes. who would be seen as a non-positional leader who has a tremendous amount of influence. Yeah. It oh. just came, it just, I just came to my mind. I was like, wow. Yes, there's lots of things that we can do, regardless of where we are, to make it better or just let it go. Or just let it go. You know, speaking of Connie, that reminded me of a couple of other things that came to mind when I was reading about this. Things like if all you do is value performance, then nobody, then um, as we've already said, that that lends to um, toxicity. How you counter that, it's okay to like, try strike up conversations personal conversations before a meeting or at the whatever coffee pot or share a funny meme you know on social or on slack or whatever right like who connie is the exact is the perfect example of someone who is picking up something that matters to her. It sounds mm-hmm. like health and act- yep. activity and trying to infuse that in and which maybe, then creates all these relationships yes. and all these connections yeah that have nothing to do with practicing law. Right. But maybe one out of every five sticks and starts to kind of shift the way she feels about her work. If it, I'm not suggesting. And everybody around her. Yeah. Influencing everybody. And then when we're, when we are collaborating on our work, we have that wonderful, rich kind of garden soil that we've tilled. Yeah. To grow from. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's it's really good good stuff. stuff. Okay. So do you have anything else you want to say? No. I just want to say I hope that people are not in toxic workplaces. I hope that if there is toxicity, it's low. And that they can either do something about it or let it go and certainly not take it home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please don't take it home. Don't take it home. Do not take it home. Leave it at home. Leave Leave it. it Just leave it. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Take care, folks. Bye. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 